Hello. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to my home. Welcome to Vancouver. Welcome to my view. Uh, I'm Crystal Crawford, and so you are on the Crystal Crawford Show. And I picked for a topic today something that is going to be is either really super relevant in every moment of your life or something that might be a little more relevant as the holidays get closer with um, adding family to your world. But uh, I can't even remember what I called this thing. What did I call today's show? Hold on. I'm going to get the title. Want to know? Want to know what makes it hard to be around your family? Spoiler alert, it's not your family. <laughs> and um, so, hi. Um, yeah, so I sort of wanted to go into today um, the distractor implants. Now, if you are brand new to Access Consciousness and you've never heard of the distractor, <laughs> hi. Um, you never heard of the distractor implant. Don't leave. If you think this is old news, this is not old news. Um, the distractor implants are a thing, a topic. They're not just a therapy thing that goes on in our world. Thank you. I did change my hair. Um, that makes it incredibly interesting being in relationships with other people. Now, I'm going to just simplify what a distractor implant is so that it sounds a little more sexy. But basically, it's something that we were a point of view... Um, or 1,800 points of view that we were implanted with at some point in time, in history, in space, and dimensions, that we're all infinite beings here, so we've been around a long time, that is designed to distract you from who you actually are. I know the view's terrible, right? <laughs> I asked all my roommates if they would go upstairs so that I could record in the living room, and they said, yes, I wanted to give you the view. Um, so, okay, so there's 24 distractor implants, 24 of them. And here, the whole point of this video is not just to educate you about distractor implants. The point of this show today, um, and what I'm hopeful will be helpful to you throughout all time, space, dimensions, and reality, is like, how do you maintain your reality in the face of everybody else's stuff? How do you do that? Like, what's the practice that you need to put in place? What are the tools that you need to have to be able to go into any mix of people, whether it's social or family or whatever, and actually have your reality and have your level of happiness and have whatever you want to be having, no matter what anybody else is having in terms of a reality. Um, I've had one of the best families to practice all of this in ever in the history of families. <laughs> And, you know, like, I'll give you some examples from my family, and then I'm going to go into some of this that is actually going to give you some practical tools that you can use. Um, my family in particular, and I don't know what your family's like, loves to do significance and a lot of feelings, and we do a lot of proving that we care about each other. And so there's, there's multiple ways of doing that. So do you have, but you have to prove that you care about each other. So, like, if there's a birthday party or there's a wedding, you have to show up early to show that you care so that you're helping set up and support them and so that they know that they're supported. And, you know, one of the things my mom used to do a lot is she used to manipulate us with, with feelings. Well, just so you know, feelings are one of the best manipulative tools on the planet. They're not actually real. They're creations. It's just that we can whip them up into this frenzy. And listen, I'm talking as a recovering feelings addict here. Like, I'm not speaking as somebody who, like, has no soul. Um, I used to, I didn't know that I was doing feelings. I thought I was having feelings. I thought I was reacting to things like that's a sad thing. I'm crying. I'm sad. Therefore, you know, I had all these reasons and justifications for what my feelings were and that I thought were valid. 
But that whole cycle of living, and this is where I want to start to bust apart for us, that whole cycle of living where feelings are valid and my emotions are real and you need to listen to me and you need to validate me, it didn't create any freedom. It didn't create any change in my relationships. It didn't create, it didn't create. It created me going to counseling and trying to find access consciousness because I still felt fucked up, <laughs> even though I was doing all the right things, right? And so what I want to introduce to you is some information that like, would, will, in theory, contribute to you not feeling so fucked up. Maybe that's what the show would, should have been called, is like how to not feel so fucked up. So the reason I love this book and the reason I love the information about the distractor implants and the reason I'm going to do work in 30 days of this thing is because when you start to really get that that stuff is a choice, when you really start to get that stuff is a choice, that even feelings are choices, that responses are choices, reactions are choices, when you actually start to get that is when your life starts to get a lot easier because then you're not living on autopilot anymore. You're not living unconsciously anymore. You're actually living consciously. And you know, a lot of you guys that follow me are sort of into that kind of thing. It's like, we want more awareness. We want consciousness. Okay. So the thing to be conscious about is where you're functioning from with everybody. Hi, Aricelli. Hi guys. Um, and feel free to post your questions here. If you've got family questions, I'm totally into it. Um, family questions, people questions, like shit that's not going right that you'd like to go right. I can totally talk about that today. So there are 24 distractor implants. Now, what does that mean? There's 24 things. I'm going to read them to you. That when you function from them in the distractor implant way, make your life really hard. Anger, rage, fury, hate, blame, shame, regret, and guilt. Addictive, compulsive, obsessive, perverted points of view. Love, sex. Love, sex. Jealousy, peace. Life, death, living, and reality. Thank you. Fear, doubt, business, and relationship. Okay, so these have been coming up lately because I've been finishing up some of my programs. I'm like in month four of some of them. Like there's just a lot of stuff going on. People are creating, people are changing things. Like so there's been a lot of topics coming up. And I just did three trainings on like the six elements that you need to create a six-figure business. Well, everybody was bringing up, but I go into doubt about my business. And I'm like, okay, so all the distractor implants holding that in place and everything underneath that, will you destroy and uncreate that? Right, wrong, good, bad, pot, pot, online, shorts, poison, beyonds. If you don't know about the clearing statement, go to theclearingstatement.com. Um, fear and doubt, listen to this, this is from the book. Fear and doubt are just distractors. So fear and doubt, which are two of our favorite things to go to in so many different things. I'm afraid of that. Oh, I don't know. Does this shirt look good on me? Does my butt look big? I'm worried. You know, we go to doubt and fear about stuff. And especially when we're about to step out and be something different or do something different, like especially when we're about to step out and create a new business or we're about to step out of an old relationship pattern. It's like, you know, you've had this one way of being with your mom and you're about to step out of that. What comes up to distract you from choosing what you'd really like to choose? Fear, doubt, obsessive, compulsive points of view, anger, rage, fury, hate, love, sex, jealousy, pee, all the shit comes like right to the surface when you're about to be and choose more than you've ever been and chosen before with anything. Um, yes, fellow feelings addict, working on the recovery. I so need to start a group. Like feelings addicts anonymous, the FAA, fuck this shit. Oh, anyway, <laughs> okay, I'm going to read this to you about fear and doubt. Okay. So fear and doubt are just distractors. Doubt is what you do in order to stop you. In fact, Anything that stops you is a distractor. That's really simple. 
Anything that stops you is a distractor. So it's like if you're doing something, or you want to change something, or you want to change a dynamic with a family member or whatever, and it, you let yourself be stopped, you are being stopped by a distractor implant. So there's different ways to change this. And you can pock and pod, which is the clearingstatement.com, pock and pod all the distractor implants, holding that in place and everything underneath it to give yourself some space. And then you literally have to become aware that you're functioning from a distractor implant. You have to acknowledge what it is. Because here's what we don't do, with fear and doubt in particular, and all the other ones, but let's take those as an example. We do not acknowledge them as what they are. We say, I am afraid. I, uh, I'm afraid, uh, I don't know, I'm doubting all of this, right? Like We go into the, it's mine, it's my fear, it's my doubt, which you can't change anything when you're not acknowledging what's actually true. That's why you have to know about these, because when you are functioning from like rage, which I had a period of time, like three months, where every fucking thing on the planet was making me rageful. Oh, sorry, I'm getting excited. <laughs> rageful. I'm like, I'm not a rageful person. I'm intense. I'm potent, but I'm not rageful. I was rageful. And I was like, okay, holy fuck. All the distractor implants holding this in place and everything underneath it, destroying and create it. But then I still had to choose. And... When in those, I, that was like in the middle of the, middle of the John and me year. That's been the year of John and me. I was like the middle of the year, and I was like, I was going into rage about stuff, and I had to start looking at like, what did I want to create with that relationship? Did I want to keep choosing this, or did I want to choose something else? Thank you, Daniel. And um, hi, Nydia. So that, but 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 having that information that I'm functioning from a distractor implant was super helpful because then I'm not I'm not insane. I'm just being insane at the moment from a distractor implant. And I can pock and pod the distractor implant and everything underneath it. Hi, Helen. And, and then I can choose and go around myself, go around wherever I'm functioning from into a place that's actually going to create what I want. I'm telling you all of this because you're about to spend a lot of time with your family, either in the States with Thanksgiving or upcoming to Christmas for all of us around the world. Um, didn't fly for 16 years. Since the bars, I do it again because fear is just a lie. Oh my gosh, yeah. And if you've never gotten your bars run and you're new to access consciousness, go get your bars run. Google bars, access bars, and find out what they are and find a practitioner because that changes us a lot too. So, so when I go... When I, partic when I go and get around my family, all this stuff comes up. Like, I'm angry. I'm afraid that they're going to react. I'm like, I'm functioning from, I want my mom to feel loved because she never feels loved. I go into all the shit, right? And if you close your eyes to it and you just try to survive it and take it, then you can't change it. And what I really want to invite us all to over this next month and month and a half until Christmas is over is really like, what can we be that's different? What can we be that actually invites everybody around us, family included, to something different by what we're being? And the way you do that is you start to function differently just in yourself. Like you just start to function differently in yourself. So, so, you, so to do that, you have to become aware of where you're functioning so that you can actually change it. Yes, be present, exactly. And, and so the first key to that is starting to acknowledge what is, starting to acknowledge you know, like when I go into judgment, that, that, that I'm choosing judgment at that moment and I can choose something else. But let me go back to these for a second. So I'm going to read the first little bit. Not, not that much. I'm not going to just read at you this whole show, but I want, I want you to hear this. Listen, this is the anger, rage, fury, and hate section. So 99% of the world, that's a lot of people. You're in that percentage, by the way. 
view anger as a way of getting control. That's so smart. We've misidentified and misapplied anger as a source of force in the world. We think of it as, some, as something that creates potency. Um, for many people, potency means power or strength, but I'm using it in a slightly different sense. A chemical that can alter other chemicals is considered potent. It can be a catalyst to change other chemicals. When you're potent, you can alter everything in your life. You can change whatever is occurring so it works better. As infinite beings, we all have this potency, but often it seems inaccessible to us because it lies beneath the distractor implants. So like in your being, you have like a distractor implant lasagna. You know, you've got judgment and projection and expectation, distractor implants and potency underneath. It's like a Nanaimo bar, sort of, like where all the delicious stuff is on the bottom, although that's a terrible example because the delicious stuff is all the way through. But you get what I'm talking about. So it's like a shit lasagna where at the very bottom you've got chocolate, which is your potency. <laughs> there you go, shit lasagna. So, so we all have this, but often it seems inaccessible because it lies beneath the distractor implants, which are designed to distract us and keep us from being the infinite beings we truly be. Now, as an infinite being, you have infinite choice and infinite capacity and infinite creativity. Like, were you ever taught to access that as a child? Did you get the handbook? Yeah, no, I didn't either. We tend to misidentify anger as potency. We tend to misidentify anger as potency because anger gets people to react, but it doesn't allow them to act. Okay, and so somebody's like, can you talk about what reaction is? And this is, this is a lot of what goes on in our families and with close friends. Gary goes, reaction is where X occurs and you do Y, whether you want to or not. It's like this happens, it's like, you know, like with my sister, it's like she'll do this thing and then, hi, Jamie, and then I always do this thing and that's just, it's like our thing, it's like, it's like our dance. So where X occurs and you do Y, whether you want to or not, something occurs and you react to it rather than being able to act to it. So instead of being interesting point of view and just being present with whatever she's doing, you're doing this other thing because you're reacting to it, right? And so this person goes, okay, so when we do anger, are we looking for someone else's reaction? Gary goes, yes, you are looking for where you can be in control. That's why you do anger in the first place. You see it as a way of getting control. Hmm, is that true if we are doing anger for potency? When you use potency with us, you're doing it to get a reaction. Gary goes, well, I do force, but I don't do anger. Most of you do anger rather than force. And unfortunately for almost all of you, you suppress anger. So you don't even do it. It's like you have it and then you suppress it. That's what most of us do with anger. And most of us don't even let our anger come out. It's like the rare person that actually lets themselves be full on mad. We actually we have the anger. We try to use it to control people and then we suppress the shit out of it. Guess how hard on your body that is. Jesus H. Christ in a basket. You suppress it and you suppress it until you react and then you think that's potency. But that's not necessarily being potent at all. That's creating a situation where you're in reaction and so is everybody else. Hmm. And she goes, okay, so well, can you explain how you do force? And he goes, I will get very loud. If I wanna create a force in your life, if I wanna create an impact and a change, um, hi there, um, I will get very intense with the energy. You've noticed me doing intensity with you. Is it anger? No, no, but it is intensity. And the real power in life is the capacity to use intensity when you need to get a point of view across or when you want people 
to get people to do something different from what they're currently doing. And can, you guys, this is just like one page out of this book on anger. Um, there's 24 of these things. And what I want to, I've still got 15 minutes. So how are you? I'm great. Thank you for joining. So, so let's look then at, so that's anger, right? So in my family, um, that's one of the things that my mom used to use with us kids is she would get angry with us to control us. And that's a really, I think that's a sort of a typical parent thing. It's like, there's the, there's the situations where your child is like walking out in front of a moving car and you're like, you use force to like change that because there's no way you're letting your child die in front of a moving car. And then there's that place where you go to anger to try to get that person to do what you want. And then you have to create a reason and a justification for your anger for it to be valid. And so you are always going to have a story to back up your anger if that's what you're choosing. And this is where distractor implants get really convoluted because they loop you into the, you know, we talk about in the Ten Commandments, the Ten Keys to Total Freedom. Never listen to, tell, or buy the story. Never listen to it, don't tell it, don't buy it, especially with yourself, especially with yourself. And so, so that loops you, you get angry, then you have to justify it, you're into a story, so it locks it into place, it's hurting your body, and there's this whole thing that gets, you're creating a reaction in another person, and all of a sudden you're into creating the insanity that you keep saying that you want to change. So what starts to change this? Yes, it's a beautiful view. Welcome to Vancouver. Choice starts to change this. Awareness starts to change this. Presence starts to change this and becoming aware of where you're functioning from. So one of the, one of the conversations that I've been really, um, that's just been thrumming through my world lately is this whole conversations of priorities. And I'm not changing tracks. I want to talk about when you start to look at what your priorities are in your life and you stop reacting to everything, right? Because that's, I mean, that's how I was taught to be. It's like you react to rent going up, you react to losing your job, you react to somebody coming home in a bad mood, you react to somebody being in a weird space, you react, right? Like that's really kind of how we're taught to live our life. We're not taught to live from like, hey, look at, look at what your priorities are as a being, right? Look at that. Look at what it is you actually desire to create as a life. What, do you, what are your priorities with your family? What are your priorities with your life? What are your priorities in your relationship? What are your priorities in your business? And when you start to create your life and, and really get aware of what your priorities are, that's when you're going to start to see where you're not actually choosing what you say your priorities are. Where over here, even though you say your priority in this relationship is ease and peace, you're still choosing to be right. You're still choosing to prove your point. You're still choosing to stay in your story. And, and so if you start really looking at what your priorities are, that's when all that stuff's going to stick out. And that's when you have another choice. And that's the gift of awareness, is that once you become aware of where you're functioning from, you now have another choice. Okay, so let's talk about blame, shame, regret, and guilt. Um, these are some of families, my family's favorite tools are blame and shame and regret and guilt. Um, I can't even tell you how many times I call my mom and she's like, I just, you know, I, I just wish we, we could have had, you know, she has regret over all the time that's gone by that we haven't had in a conversation. And, um, and in the past, used a lot of blame and shame and guilt. And so I got really good at that, too. And I got way better at it with myself. So listen to this. So with blame, shame, regret, and guilt, you go into a place of judgment where you cannot act. You cannot act. You become reactive. 
you don't ever act totally and you always instantaneously assume a wrongness. This is not in your best interest. And here's a really great question and something I get a lot asked. He's like, she goes, can you speak about distractor implants in all the ways we take on somebody else's universe? Gary goes, we've entrained ourselves to be in sync with everybody else. We've entrained ourselves to be in sync with everybody else. So what does entrainment mean? Well, science has told us and physics tell us that when you have a set of molecules vibrating here and you have a set of molecules vibrating here, that these molecules that are vibrating at a lower um, frequency are going to entrain to the higher set of vibrating molecules. Now, what we've done in our families is like we come in and the families are all vibrating down here and as little babies, we just entrain to this because that's the way it is. That's our family. That's what it is, right? So that's what entraining is. And that's where sometimes it feels like you can't even find your own reality because you're so entrained to everybody else's reality. And I know for me personally, after four years of like active change and active choice, this is something that still, with different people, it, it's a process of choosing continually my reality with things. And it's a process of like realizing that I'm not in my reality, that I'm not being me. Because when you're being you, you are a sense of lightness and space. That's you being you. There's space, there's ease, there's possibility, there's this space right here. When you're being you, you're like the space in nature. When you're not being you, you're none of that. You feel like shit. You want to cry. You want to punch things. You're like, you've got it. You're into all the feelings, which are the lower harmonics of being, knowing, perceiving, and receiving, right? These are all these lower harmonics. And that's when you're not being you. When you're being you, you're being the higher harmonics, which is being and knowing and perceiving and receiving. So as soon as you're down into this, you, that's your first clue that you're not being you. And you can ask, truth, am I being me or someone else? And if you get someone else, you can just pock and pod that shit and return it to sender and ask, okay, so what's my reality with this? And, you know, with some of this stuff, like some of these relationships, some of these family situations that there's a lot of like ingrained habitual ways of being with each other, you know, ways that created at one point and then just became habit. So some of this is going to be like the really getting present with it and not as much as you can, not going into the wrongness of you over this stuff. Because as soon as you go into judging you for any of this, you've lost all your creative capacity to change it. And, and so you really, really, like, one of, the, one of the tools that you can use with all of this, including knowing about the distractor implants, is really getting clear on whether or not you're functioning from an agenda or in a priority. And most of the time when we've got crunchy stuff going on, you know, like, we're functioning from an agenda. You know, we've got an agenda that that person do this and this, and they didn't. And so, you know, they, so we're pissed. And is entrainment the same as hardwiring with Fam Danley? <laughs> entrainment and hardwiring. Yeah, it's, it's, it's either the same thing or it's very similar. And hardwiring is this place where it's become like hardwired in. You know, it's like you've done it so many times and you've functioned from that way so many times, you're just hardwired. So you can also pock and pod the hardwiring, creating that. And Araceli, you had another question. What clearing can I say to clear all the judgments and negative words my brother and his wife said against me and my children? Um, yeah, well, you can't clear them. You, you can never change anybody else, you guys. You can't change them. You can't change the people that judge you and project at you. You can only change you. 
And um, interesting point of view is a massive tool. You know, with anybody who's projecting and judging at you, it's interesting point of view, they have this point of view. Interesting point of view, I have this point of view, that they have this point of view. Until the charge of whatever's going on from them to you is gone away. And then you can just go, okay, so what other choice here do I have that I've never considered? Do I like being around them? Do I want to be around them? Are they that fun? Um, what else is possible? And, and really, like, if you still don't have any ease there with using all of that, you can really go, what agendas am I using to create the family trauma and drama am I choosing? What agendas am I using to create the family trauma and drama am I choosing? And you can destroy it and create all that. Times a godzillion, right, wrong, good, bad, pop, pop, all nine charts, blue, demand. Because anytime you know, things aren't going the way we think they should, we've got an agenda going on. We have an agenda that, hi, Shana, that it should be different. It shouldn't be this way. It should be different. And that's just a point of view. That's an agenda that we have that we actually, if you want any freedom, if you want any space, if you want any lightness, you've got to change. And nobody else can change that for you. So you always know when you're functioning from an agenda when you're like pissed off or upset that somebody's doing something else. <laughs> Anytime that you've got that reaction going on, you've got an agenda. And so you just have to look at that and go, okay, cool. I totally have an agenda. I'm going to pop and pop that. And what else can I choose here that I've never even considered? And um, yeah. And scene. So, okay. So blame, shame, regret, and guilt. Okay, so moving on. So that was two paragraphs out of that section. <laughs> so then you've got addictive, compulsive, obsessive, perverted points of view. Thanks. Okay, so addictive compulsive upset. So this is very related to family stuff and relationship stuff and people that you've known for a really long time. Because addictive is the idea that you can't change it. Compulsive is the necessity to do it. Obsessive is where you must think about it and figure it out so that you know how to do it. It's where you have to figure it out so that it's right, so that you can try not to do what is wrong that you are obsessing about. Anybody know anything about that? Then there are perverted points of view. In this reality, the primary perversion is being humanoid and not seeing the world the same way other people see it. And I don't know if you guys all know this, but you are definitely different. Read my shirt. Definitely different, which means you are perverted in this reality. To the rest of the world, you are in so different that you are completely perverted. The way, oh, let me give you an example of this. I could talk about this all day. I was dating. I did a lot of dating. I dated a lot of people. Um, I went out with this one guy, and he marketed himself as an open-minded person. And so I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. Like, he's really into sex. I really like sex. We like Tantra, you know, all this stuff. And we ended up going out a few times, and it became really, really, really clear after we had a few conversations that my willingness to just be no point of view and no judgment was offensive to him. In fact, I didn't function from any feelings either, which was also offensive. Uh, because in, that, in his reality, mental health or having a healthy relationship meant listening to your feelings, having feelings, expressing them, and somebody else valuing them. And there was this whole really common reality that's out there right now when it comes to how you have healthy relationships that he needed me to fit into for us to date. And when I finally realized that, I just looked at him and I'm like, I kind of knew we were going to have this conversation at some point, and I'm, I just said, look, I'm going to just piss you off. So you, we just, you may want to go. So he did. Like two minutes later, I walked him out to his car, and he left. But I became a 
I am completely perverted in this reality because of the way that I function. And, you know, when you look at that when it comes to your family, when you start to really change this stuff and you start to be as dynamically different as you are and as you can be, because if you're watching Active Consciousness stuff and you're using these tools, you are definitely different. And that means you have choices available to you that nobody else has. You have awareness nobody else has. You have capacities nobody else has. You are perverted in this reality. So what you want to come out of is the judgment of that. What you want to come into is the acknowledgement of that and the use of it. And so when you go into addictive points of view, which is the, the idea that you can't change things, and compulsive points of view, which is the necessity to do that thing, or obsessive points of view where you must think about it and figure it out so that you know how to do it, so that you can do the right thing and not do what's wrong that you're obsessing about. When you come out of those, then you're able to just acknowledge how strange you really are and start to use that to your advantage to create a different reality. Now, that may mean that some people leave you. Like, this guy left me immediately. It was so offensive to me that I didn't have any feelings about what he was talking about that he had to leave. And that's a small example. Like, I didn't have a lot of attachment to him. Um, but, but so, yeah, people are going to, you know, people are going to choose what they choose because you are different. But you have to look at what you want to create. You have to look at the reality that you want to have. Do you want peace and ease in your world? Are you demanding that? You might not be. You might be happy with the trauma and drama, and that's cool. You can have that. That's easy. Um, but if you want something different, if you desire more communion, if you desire a... You can't change other people. All you can be is the space for the change to occur. And you can be present with what you're functioning from, and you can change where you're functioning from. And when you change, you give everybody around you a different possibility. When you change, you give everybody around you a different possibility because they can no longer hook into the things that they could hook into before. They can no longer loop with you in the way that they did before. You become the catalyst for a different possibility when you're willing to start changing these places that keep you in resistance and reaction or keep you in alignment and agreement or keep you in these loops of obsessive compulsive points of view and thought patterns, right? When you start to change that and you become space and ease and just interesting point of view, that's when the whole world changes. And some people leave and some people drop off and some people change, like as if by magic. It's really amazing. So, hmm, I don't even know what to leave you with. I would leave you with go pick up this book immediately. You can get it on Amazon, 1,000% go get us. Can you give us some example of what priorities with family can be? Sure, Kath. Um, and then I got to go. Oh, I really have to go. John, will you post the SOB people? I'm going to be a little late. Um, <laughs> for me personally, I can give you some priorities with my family. Is My demand of myself, my priority with myself, with my family, is to be as much space and ease and choice as I can possibly be. And I want to use my interactions with my family, every single one of them, to choose more of that. So I've been doing a lot of avoidance of my family most of this time, and it, I'm choosing more of it. I'm spending more time with them. And so it's, it's bringing a lot of stuff up. And where I would have normally used the bringing stuff up as a reason and justification to um, leave, I'm using that now as a catalyst to choosing more. So like where stuff comes up for me, where I go, I see, I tend to go into a lot of self-rejection over or I have in the past gone into a lot of self-rejection over some of the stuff that they, they will be with me. 
and I'll go into feelings. And so my challenge to myself, my priority with myself is to be more interesting point of view with them and, and really ask, like, what tools can I use when I'm in the situation with them to be more interesting point of view? And afterwards, what tools can I use to be different? And really look at what agendas I'm functioning from that are creating the reaction and changing those before I get into the situation and then using everything that comes up while I'm there as an opportunity and a possibility to change whatever's going on in me. So you can't have priorities for your family. You can have priorities for yourself in regards to your family. And when you change, something's going to shift. And you don't know what it is. It's never going to show up the way you think. But it will change. Something will change. And if nothing else, you get to have you. And for me, that's my top priority is I get to have all of me. I'm not laying under, maimed under, underneath some bus somewhere. You know, I'm not dying inside anymore. I'm not self-rejecting myself over and over. I get to have me. And I get to have all of me. And if everybody else on the planet goes away, I get to have all of me. So what priorities could you create? What would it take for you to make yourself a priority, to make your own internal being a priority? And what tools do you need to institute in your life? What, what awarenesses of what kinds of things? What, what do you need to add to your life to support that choice of you? Okay, I got to go. I got another thing. I adore you so much. If this contributed, please share it. Please like it so other people can find it. And, um, and I will see you next week.